Did you know VIP season ticket subscribers have access to this workshop and hundreds more? In streaming video, MP3 download, audio CD, executive white paper summary, and podcast formats? Visit vip.dealersedge.com for more information. Welcome to this Dealer's Edge online training program featuring Rob Campbell and Lou Young with a workshop explaining how to apply for retail rates for factory reimbursed warranty claims. Rob and Lou are with the accounting and consulting firm of Witham Smith & Brown, and I'm Mike Bowers of Dealer's Edge. The folks at Witham Smith & Brown work with their automotive retailing clients on an array of warranty issues, so there isn't much that today's presenters, Rob and Lou, don't know about the subject. It seems like a long, a long time ago that the first serious efforts to get OEMs to pay retail rates for warranty parts reimbursement were launched. In fact, it was a long time ago, 22 years at least. The dealer in that case was awarded more than $800,000 plus attorney's fees. So we were talking about real money. But the process was very complex and most dealers decided it was not worth the effort. The dealers who have per persisted, however, have seen six and seven figure recoveries, so the effort can be very worthwhile. Now auto retail retailers in 40 states are eligible for retail reimbursement on warranty parts, big increase from 20 years ago. And the process has been simplified somewhat, but it's still complicated. Today, Rob Campbell and Lou Young will review the process and will also explain how to decide if making a submission is worth the time, effort, and expense necessary. We'll see how to compile a retail reimbursement sample required under individual state laws. And Rob and Lou will describe the differences from state to state that you need to be aware of to avoid wasted effort. We'll also see how the process can vary from OEM to OEM. And very importantly, we'll learn how to respond if your sample and submission is rejected. Again, joining us today to share their experience and expertise are Lou Young and Rob Campbell from Witham Smith & Brown. Guys, thanks for helping us today. And Rob, I believe you're going to lead us off. Take it away. And bubbles, too. Right. Um, th that's important to know as well. And then moving on, Lou, should we do it? Here's where you get involved early on in the process, and we think, okay, I, I, I have this, and let's see if we can do it. Mike, Rob, Yeah, let me interrupt for a second before we get on to should you do it. Uh, okay, so way, way back when, one of, one of the reasons that it got so complicated to, to apply for retail reimbursement was that the manufacturers would argue that a lot of the parts used in warranty repairs were not used and generally not used in customer pay work. So, so how are you going to come up with a, a retail formula? That problem, it looks like, has been, am I right, that that, that has been overcome? Now, now yeah. the individual the individual type of part doesn't doesn't matter anymore. We want to know what your average markup is. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 overcome by that similar repair. So okay. we're probably doing shocks, and we're probably doing some engine oil leaks, and we're doing various things like that. And that's why it takes so much to get up to there. But the old day, and most of the states that have a good methodology have also specifically excluded a part by part comparison, and when we're talking legally about a part-by-part -part comparison. We're talking about that, all right, if you want 
a markup on this part and warranty. Show me where you sold it at retail. Well, <laughs> we would never be able to show you where it sold at retail because this part only fits a 2018 model and it always be covered. So that's gone away mainly because of this similar work, right? Yeah, we, we don't see that anymore. Um, that was a uh, one of the domestic manufacturers very early on uh, tried to push that. And as Rob said, you know, state by state, the methodology um, has cleared that up, the, the, the clarity of the methodology for uh, calculating the sample has, has cleared it up. Um, any other questions? Yeah, let me get one more, and then we can move back into it. Do you have a sense from your own client base um, what percentage of dealers are, are still not uh, requesting retail reimbursement? Not requesting or haven't requested? Oh, those are two sure. different questions. Okay, okay um, let's do haven't, haven't requested. Haven't requested. That's, that's a good question. Uh, I, I, well, why don't we use New Jersey as an example? We're 10 years in. And for those manufacturers that are at least accommodating and not already paying dealer list, because a lot of our stores, if they're getting dealer lists, will not submit a sample for that franchise. How many left in New Jersey? A handful. Yeah, I would say that's a true. Handful. It's probably a, a minority of the of the dealers. Um, but then the other category is how many um, have chosen not to submit. Okay. Right. And... Um, I mean, that, there's, 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 there's several of those. I mean, again, depending on the manufacturer, there are certain manufacturers that where the dealers have not applied. And, you know, the, given their the economic circumstances or the relationship with the factory or yeah. perceived um, issues, um, they, they make those choices. Right. And that, as I recall, that was, again, back in the, the early days, that the factories may, may go, say, all right, you know, all right, Mr. Dealer, you've won your court case. We'll give you retail, but we're going to make the rest of your life miserable uh, if, if you go right. through with this. Uh, the, the dealers, that word got around, and dealers started to, to back off a bit. But anyway, okay, right. that's, yeah. that's, that's okay. okay we'll get into it. Why not at the end too? Okay. And again, time heals all wounds, Mike. Right. right. That's right. I've learned that. So the question is: Are there any specific pitfalls? that you're aware of in requesting a an increase, a reimbursement increase on labor to General Motors, uh, that is, and if you're a dealer in Florida? Okay, so first of all, uh, are, did they jump off C and go back to A, I assume? If they have an yeah, assume that they, they yeah. can apply. Assume that they can apply. Assume that they can apply for a labor rating. I, I have had no issues in Florida, but it's probably been not quite a year since I've last done one down in that area. Florida has a, a relatively friendly um, submission law, which allows you to use um, gross profit percentages or um, other, other items on your financial statement to get your, your rate increase. But um, I don't remember if Florida has a, a peer review uh, requirement for labor rates or not. Um, but generally, the, the kind of things we're talking about are, you know, the discounts. Is there a lot of discounting going on that would reduce your your effective, well, that would reduce your door rate? Yeah. You know, we, we didn't really talk about it a lot today, but, you know, why is it that there's a difference between your effective labor rate and your door rate? You know, if that's... If that's just a couple dollars, then there shouldn't be an issue. But if that's ten or twenty dollars, right. that's going to be reflected in your warranty um, 
submission. And you might want to get a handle on why that's occurring. And the last thing on the GM thing, I and I might get the story a little confused, but I know there was a couple things going around that GM said, all right, well, we'll, do your, we'll look at your sample and we approve it, but we reserve the right to come back in and audit those numbers, and if they're wrong, we're going to charge you back the difference. Well, that's, that's just plainly not part of the law. I mean, dealers are the ones that get to submit the sample and make the decision about what to, you know, where to start and where to end. So, I, but I have never seen them actually do that. We haven't had an, an issue with the GM labor. Yeah. Okay. All right, next question. Uh, we're talking about getting uh, sequential repair orders. Uh, and in order to come up with 100 uh, that can be included, the questioner says that then that means I'm going to have to have a lot more than a hundred probably on the spreadsheet to get a hundred that are that can be included. That's, right. okay. That's correct. We we said our, our typical sample anymore. I always say a thousand, but anymore it's pushing fifteen hundred. Yeah, I mean we've got an example of the survey on page on uh, screen eleven, um, and they're absolutely right. I mean you're going to have a lot of internal work. You're going to have a lot of warranty work, labor only. Um, so those are the things that are going to take up the space on that spreadsheet. Um, and the, the customer pay will be um, not few and far between, but they're, they're to a lesser extent um, seen compared to maintenance or internal. Yeah, see, I'm still going on this survey, and I'm at row 1025, so I'm over 1,000 right here still going through this survey. All right, next question. Um, in your experience, do the manufacturers consider a dealership's location? Uh, that is, if, his, if, if a dealership is in an area where the cost of living is 20% higher uh, than the other same-make dealerships that the manufacturer is comparing me to, is that going to influence whether or not I get an increase or how much of an increase? Uh, it may influence their level of scrutiny, but it, it, it really doesn't matter. As Rob says, the law is the law. The law is the law. So let's just say uh, I'm a domestic dealer and I was on an automatic increase, and right now I'm hovering around $110. But I'm in the greater New York area. I'm in San Francisco. I'm in a metro area. And I could support right now today an increase to 140 Submit it, man. I get those approved all day long, not a problem. All right, and, and just a clarification from the same questioner. Um, as an example, his dealership location, and, and it's a Ford dealership, the cost okay. of living where, where his location is is about 20% higher than the five other Ford dealers. Uh, the five other Ford dealers that Ford compares me to. My current warranty rate is about the same as these other Ford dealers that they compare, compare me to, and obviously he feels he should be getting more. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit, I mean, you should be getting more, and you, you should make a case for you have various other competitors in the marketplace. So when I do a Ford and, and they come back with that, that's a lot of times just a, a relationship thing to get it talked through. Ford, as we've talked about, they have a methodology for this. And for most people in Ford, God bless them, they just want to make sure their superior isn't going to question their decision. So as long as you can give them a valid reason why they won't get in trouble for approving it, it's fine. So what do I use it for? I use, you know we're in a higher cost area. We are in Beverly Hills, not Van Nuys, all right? 
we have to pay people to come here. I'm competing against the Mercedes store to get taxed, not the Chevy store to get taxed. I have, you know, four trained diesel techs. Those guys have zero. I have new facilities. Those guys are in a hole in the wall. That's the kind of stuff I start using against them when they want to say, you know, podunk dealer out of town in the farming community is equivalent to my state-of-the-art shop in a metropolitan area. Uh, and one other question before we, we leave everybody. Is it possible to get um, these reimbursements, an increase in reimbursement, done retroactively? Uh, through litigation? <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not, not really. Not really, no. In, in most that. cases, when we're establishing, and this was true even with, with litigation, the time the talk, the clock starts from when you ask. Okay, right. that's correct. All right, and that's where some of those big settlements came from early in the early days. Exactly. And the manufacturers yeah, early. Yeah, they stalled. They stalled for a year, and then it took a year to litigate. So they wound up paying, going back two, three, four years uh, to make it up. Okay, uh, that is all the questions we have for today, and therefore the end of our program. You've got contact information uh, for Lou Young and Rob Campbell in front of you. Uh, if you think of something you wish you had asked, or you'd like to talk to them. Uh, directly about an issue you're confronting, uh, feel free to contact them. They'll be happy to talk to you, and, uh, and uh, I know they respond quickly. I'd like to thank all of you for attending today. Uh, as, as we always say, it's not easy to take an hour and a half out of your dealership day on a Thursday afternoon, and we, we appreciate you spending that time with us. And I'd like to offer special thanks uh, to Lou Young and Rob Campbell of Witham Smith & Brown uh, for sharing their experience and expertise with us on this subject. Uh, and for also uh, because they took the, the time to put today's workshop together. Thank you, guys. We're more than happy to do it. Thanks, and with Mike. that, okay, with that, uh, I'm Mike Bowers with Dealers Edge, and we'll be signing off for today. And hope you can join us again next Thursday for another online training session.